And we're going to be thinking together today about um, where we are going over the next 12 months as a community. I'm really excited about this because we've been preparing and praying into uh, this for quite a while. And uh, what's going to happen is I'm going to outline the vision uh, this Sunday and also next Sunday. And next Sunday we are particularly going to give an opportunity for people to give to the vision that we believe God's giving us. And I really want to outline how everybody can get involved in the things that we sense God saying to us. Uh, Helen Keller, who was blind and deaf, uh, once said that there's only one thing worse than living without sight, and that is to live with sight and without vision. And she was right, because of course, without vision, life is purposeless, it's pointless, we're just treading the mill, we're just uh, firefighting, we're killing time. But with purpose, we sense why we're alive. And as Christians, we believe, of course, that there's a calling on every single one of us. Each one of us has a different set of fingerprints. Each one of us has a unique contribution to bring. We believe that God has created us with things to do for him. That The Bible says, with good works prepared in advance. And we believe, too, that... God uh, gives us gifts and we can choose to either use those gifts on ourselves or to use them for his glory for others. He gives us the gift of time. This is any corpses in the room, we're all alive and we have hours and minutes and days. And the question is, what are we going to do with the time we are given? And each of us has gifts and abilities skills. What are we going to build with the gifts and the skills that we've got? The great thing is they're different. If we all had the same gift in this room, we actually wouldn't be very effective as a body. And each one of us has money. Some of us have more money than others, but we all have money. We ha- and we have to decide how are we going to spend uh, that? Are we going to spend it for ourselves? Uh, or are we going to spend it for God's glory? And of course, part of God's glory is that we live well, but it's not just about that. I remember being challenged about this when I was a teenager, and the main thing I spent money on when I was a teenager was CDs. I was just passionate, still am actually, about music. Uh, These days it's more downloads, uh, but uh, back then it was CDs. And I I would, you know, any spare cash I had, I'd be buying the latest CD. And I remember thinking, what I would do is, every time I bought myself a CD, I would then buy someone else a CD as a gift and that I wouldn't allow myself then to get my next one until I'd given one to someone else. It's a stupid little thing, but just aged, I think, about 16, 17, I I wanted to try and work out what does it mean that the resources God has given me are not just for me, but are for blessing others. And maybe as we sort of build relationships together, work together, as we journey together as a community... The best way we can summarise the sort of big picture vision that God's given us is around what people often call the three great loves. And the the first of the great loves, you may well know, is to love God. Jesus says the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart or your mind or your soul or your strength. And so we are committed as a community to prayer and to worship and to discipleship. Why? 
because we want together to love God with all our hearts, all our minds, all our souls, all our strength. All our minds, it's one of the reasons why we get this book open and we try and teach it. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we try and have relationships where we challenge and encourage each other to live more like Jesus because we want to love God with everything that we are. And then the second of the great commands is to love one another. Jesus says, this is how the world will know that you're my, my followers, by your love for each other, by the quality of our relationships. It's an enormous challenge, isn't it? And so that's why we're committed to community. That's one of the words that you'll hear a lot around here. We talk about community. Why? It's not because we're just sort of a bunch of idealists. It's because Jesus Christ says, love each other. And that's why we're committed to hospitality. That's why we are committed to having fun. It's why we're committed to eating together and feasting together. It's why we're committed to meeting in each other's homes and not just in sort of places removed from where we do the rest of our lives. And then the third great love, after loving God and loving one another, is to love the world, to love others. Jesus says, of course, in Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples. Baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded, and I'll be with you always, for, uh, even to the end of the age. And so we're not just committed to loving God by being ever so prayerful and worshipful. We're not just committed to being really nice people, having great friendships. But we're on a mission. And we, we're on a mission, obviously, here in Guildford, where God's put us, and we're in a, uh, on a mission in Europe, the continent, where God has put us. And we want to make a measurable difference amongst uh, the poor, the marginalised. We want to make a measurable difference amongst those who don't yet know Jesus. As someone once said, if your church stopped meeting, would anyone notice? Would, would it make any actual difference? I'm continually challenged by that. And I want us to live together in a way that if we cease to exist, there was a terrible sort of gas leak and we all died of carbon monoxide poisoning during this, this talk. And everyone listening online equally suffered some horrible fate. I'd love to think that, that people would really notice the difference, that, that people who were getting blessed and loved and cared for and loved and, and, and people who were being included into family... And people who are being supported and prayed for would notice that that stopped because of uh, us not being around. None of us are here by accident. I don't know what brought you to Guildford. Maybe you, you grew up here, uh, like Catherine Bennett or Emma Nicholson. Uh, maybe you moved here because it's a nice place, some good schools, uh, like the Millers and uh, one or two others. Maybe you're here at university. And that's why you're here. Many of you will know that Sammy and me with Hudson and Danny, we had quite a dramatic call to Guildford. Uh, we were living in Chichester at the time and we were praying about where we were supposed to move. We knew that uh, wherever we went next, we wanted to be part of a boiler room community and we were open to absolutely anything. And someone had said to us, just involve the kids in the decision. So we were praying with the kids and they were, I guess, about eight and six or something like that at the time. And um, one day, Huddy, who's very good at hearing from God, uh, was walking home from school and he started to freak out a bit. And he said to Sammy, I can hear a voice in my head. 
And Sammy said to him, um, just ignore it, because you thought he was going crazy. Just don't listen to the voices in your head. So then, but then he said, no, 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 it's, it, it's a nice voice. And she says, still don't listen to it. They're the worst kind. <laughs> and then it, he said, but I think it's God. And she finally stops and goes, well, what is the voice saying to you? He said, the voice is saying we're supposed to move to Guildford. We're living in Chichester at the time. And she said, oh. And so then after Huddy's heard his audible voice, we go out for a Chinese meal uh, with Hudson and Danny, who's six at the time. We say, now, Danny, Hudson thinks that God is calling us to move to Guildford. What do you think? And Danny goes, I think God is saying, if we move to Guildford, can we have a dog? <laughs> so somebody said, yes, that's how Noodle came into our lives. And you're call here may not have been quite as uh, dramatic as that, but we believe, don't we, that we are not here by accident, but God has put us here, and this is our mission field. It's where we are trying to outwork these three great loves. And, you know, the Archbishop, former Archbishop William Temple famously said, the church is the only society on earth which exists for the benefit of its non-members. And so we are missional. We are interested in how do we live to make a difference uh, in the lives of our neighbours, those we work with, those we're at university with, the, the poorest, most broken people here in our community. It's because we're committed to that principle of living for others and not ourselves with the resources God's given us that uh, we, we're going to change our name because... Um, if it was just about us being a nice little club, to be honest, let's stick with the name because it's familiar and we like it and we all know what it means and it, it's got a lot of pleasant associations. You wouldn't be part of this community if the name Boiler Room uh, was wildly offensive to you. Uh, you. By definition, it's obviously either neutral or positive for you. We don't know for whom it's negative and we're not involved because of that. We have found, some of us, not all of us, that in trying to reach out to our friends, that in talking about the boiler room, they either think it's a local pub, which is confusing, uh, or they think it's a financial scam, which is unhelpful, and so we're just very pragmatic. We exist for the benefit of our non-members, and maybe in a few years' time it'll be a bit harder to do this, but we figured it's early days. Uh, let's just come up with another name. So we're either going to be called Emmaus Road, or we're going to be called Grace, and thank you for voting. And you will be amazed to hear, lots and lots of votes sent in. It's been actually quite fun. One of the names was way in the lead, to the extent that I prepared a five-part Bible study around that particular name, until about five days ago when a sudden rush of votes for the other one came in. And as of the closing time, which was yesterday, we are exactly neck and neck on the names. It is not even one vote in it. And I had to come to the conclusion that must be God. Now, <laughs> I knew this would happen. And look, 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 if we do it, you might also cancel each other out. We have to draw the line somewhere. So the point is this. Um, I hope we can take this as a great encouragement, actually, because it shows that both names have real strengths to them, that we're all uh, really into um, one or the other of them. And... Um, therefore, uh, you'll be pleased to hear that I, have, uh, I haven't voted. I have 
withheld my vote, and I am therefore going to exercise my casting vote, but I'm not so foolish as to do it now. I'm going to take a week, I'm going to pray and think, and next week we will, uh, we will decide on one or the other. And I'm going to beg you please to, uh, I would beg you please to just exercise grace. The American uh, election right now. <laughs> On your Emmaus Road. The American election is being blighted by what, what do they call a negative campaigning. Look, please don't tell me what's wrong with the other one. It's really unhelpful because the tra fact is 50% of the people in this room really like the name that you're knocking. Okay? Uh, you, you, maybe all your friends agree with you, but that just means that you're not talking to everyone. So... Uh, and, and there's a 50-50 chance the name that you're knocking might be the new name of your community. So please, let's just recognise that the fact that it's been equal voting means they're both good names, and I can honestly go with either one. I, I felt that from the start. That's why I'm not making a decision now. I felt they're both really great names from the start. They've both got weaknesses. Uh, as someone said, Emmaus Road, if you call it that, then people are going to type it into their sat-navs and get very lost in Guildford. Uh, Grace, uh, the problem with that is... You know, I think it was Tom said to me, it's kind of a bit of a, every time we get something wrong, someone will, like, hit us over the head, saying, that's not very gracious, is it? And uh, I think as someone else said to me, they thought Grace was just a girl's name, and why would you name it? Might as well call herself Sarah. So, uh, so look, we can all find fault. It's very, very easy. But actually, Emmaus Road is the most beautiful description of, of the journey of faith and of mission, how Jesus comes into relationships and the sacrament as a point of revelation, and grace. C.S. Lewis was once asked, what's different about Christianity from every other religion? He's going answer in one word, it's grace. Grace sums it all up, everything we want to be about, everything we're aspiring to. So honestly, they're both great names, and um, that's uh, what's, what we're going to do. We're going to just uh, announce it next week. Sorry if that's going to spoil your week, but please just be open to either. Someone came up to me a few weeks ago and handed me this. It is an oven thermometer. Uh, it's quite a peculiar thing to be presented with, but she said that she had had a uh, word from God. And she said that um, to, tell, to tell me, that God was telling me that we had to turn up the heat on the boiler rooms. And that... The, 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 that's where the new sort of power and pressure and steam was going to come from. And so we're asking today, how do we do these three great loves? How do we turn up the heat very practically uh, in our community here in Guildford this year? So turn to Matthew chapter 9, please. And we're going to read verses 35 to 38. Matthew 9, 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. 
At this moment in his ministry, Jesus was riding the crest of a wave of enormous success. If you just look at that one chapter, Matthew chapter 9, you find that he had just healed and forgiven a paralyzed man, verse 1 to 8. Then he'd attended a scandalous dinner party with dodgy bankers, verses 9 to 12. Then he'd raised a dead girl back to life, verses 18 to 26. Then he had healed two blind men and set a man free from a demonic stronghold, verses 27 to 32. Not bad for one chapter. And so no wonder by verse 33 they're saying nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel of Jesus. They're amazed by all that's going on. For Jesus things were going very well, but he wasn't satisfied. And so we see in verse 36 that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In a much lesser way, things are going well for us as a community. We've had an amazing couple of terms. Whirlwind Tour. We've moved into this wonderful new venue. We have got the new website. We have launched a new collective led by Holly and Chris. We've trained about 30 people in prayer ministry. We have run the Alpha course. We have hosted a weekend away which sold out. We have had new people join. We've had people become Christians. We've had other people who are already Christians join to us because they believe in the vision. We've got babies and kids and teenagers all around. And you may think, well, there aren't very many, but I remember when it was pretty much just Hudson and Daniel and a kid called Felix. And now there's loads of young people around. Uh, the collectives are doing well. The family collective is bursting at the seams. Thank goodness James and Julia have got a big house. Uh, the student collective is just buzzing. It's great. I'm especially excited about the potential of the ACM and all that could happen there and the mission field there. And brilliant job leading worship, you guys, earlier. That's an answer to prayer. The community collective is growing in a really great way. It is shrinking for the best possible reasons. They are sending people like Bilio. They've sent Mark to Finland. I mean, these people went voluntarily. They weren't like... It wasn't like... Uh, they, they sent Holly to go and lead the, uh, the new collective. James Wilby off to Finland as well. David and Joy, they're desperately trying to send David and Joy to San Francisco uh, to work with, 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 with drug gang violent people there, but um, you see, I've really got the heart of it there, David, but they're, they're, they're struggling, we've got to keep praying for the paperwork and for the visas, so that collective is just being missional and sending, and we've had amazing meetings over the last couple of terms, we've had Andrew White from Baghdad standing here throwing Smith Wigglesworth's anointing oil around, we've had Adam Cox with that amazing message, listen to it if you haven't yet, we had Carl Wills come and just speak prophetically. Ben uh, was there saying quietly to God, okay, God, if this is true and if you're real, then make that bloke speak to me. And at that very moment, Carl points at Ben and says, you, stand up. <laughs> he stands up and he just read the guy's mail. He knew, he, he knew all sorts of things. That he had no other way of knowing about Ben's life. And Ben goes, okay, it's got to be true. The whole Christianity thing's got to be true. We've had amazing meetings. We dedicated little baby Amelie. That was fantastic. Wasn't she good? So it's been, it's been an amazing couple of terms, but we're not resting on our laurels. 
Because Jesus calls us to see the crowds around us and see how we're surrounded by people who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, the word for harassed there in the original Greek is sort of exhausted by life. Some of you, I know, commute to London. I very rarely, but do occasionally, catch the sort of 7am train. And you see all of these people getting on the trains and off the trains. And I'm sure some of them are thoroughly happy about it and loving every moment. But honestly, many of them just look exhausted by life. The shot of caffeine to wake them in the morning, the shot of alcohol to put them down at night. And the word helpless there in the original Greek means aimless or pointless. It was the word used for things that were just thrown away. Um, if you're on board a boat and you threw something overboard because it was just useless, that was the Greek word that was used, uh, for, that we have translated as helpless here. And so Jesus saw people and he, he said they're, like, they're, they're just aimless and hopeless and it's like their lives are being thrown away. And his heart was deeply moved. One of the things I love about this community is the way that there are so many people who are finding practical ways of responding to that kind of need. So, for example, the Petties there, and the Swarbricks saying, we're not just going to get a house for the sake of it, but we want to get a house that can be used as a centre for hospitality and prayer. Or David and Joy saying, actually, life's fairly fine and settled, but we feel like God's calling us to do something about these gangs in San Francisco. Or James and Julia seeing... Children literally being thrown away, used and abused in human trafficking and saying we can't just leave this, we have to address this. And so getting behind this fight uh, against the trafficking of human beings through justice and care. Closer to home, we live in such an exciting mission field that God has put us in here in Guildford. Let me show you something. Um, when I was a teenager, I had a pet mouse called Angrave, and unfortunately he died one day, and I, I, I got a small book on taxidermy, and I thought you'd be impressed. If you're listening on the recording, un unfortunately one or two people are laughing, but admittedly one of his legs has come off, and I had to use pinheads for his eyes, but on that I think you'll agree that's a fairly... Convincing bit of taxidermy. It's, it's a mouse, thank you, David. It's still, all these years later, I still have him. And it's, you know, I'll be honest with you, Angrave looks fantastic on the outside, but there are things distinctly missing on the inside. We're <laughs> surrounded by people who are missing out. They look fine on the outside but are missing things on the inside. Missing what they're made for. Missing Jesus. I don't know if you've watched The Only Way is Essex. Or you've watched Made in Chelsea. You, it's kind of compulsive but dreadful viewing and you just think this is so shallow. Their lives look so pretty but they are so empty on the inside. Some people are referring to this generation as a slacktivist generation, a generation that wants to change the world but can't be bothered. 
Jesus looks at those around us and says, they're sheep without a shepherd. Please don't believe the lie that there aren't needs in Guildford. It's absolute rubbish. More than 90% of people here in Guildford will go nowhere near a church today. There's such comfort, I find, even amongst the Christians, as if we don't need any more churches. We need lots more to be planted. Because there's so many people to be reached. And the ones we've got need to exist for their non-members and not just to be comfortable. You know, we've got one of the highest divorce rates in the UK here. It seems to me as the people of God, we've been sent here to do something about that. I was reading a report from our MP. She says one in ten children in Guildford are living below the poverty line. Did you know that? Just under 2,700 children here in our community. And what does that mean? That means their life expectancy is 10 years shorter than the average. It means they're more likely to be bullied at school. It means that they will probably leave school without qualifications. It means that they're twice as likely to become disabled. And there are certain pockets of that need in Guildford. And I really believe that one of the things we need to be looking to do is plant at works, plant collectives into some of those areas where the need is. Because uh, we can't expect them to come to us. We have to go to them and reach out and make a difference. It's one of the reasons we're beginning the process of talking about planting a work into Bushy Hill, where a number of you already helped run the youth group there, uh, but the youth club. There's so much more that we could do there. Another area of uh, enormous opportunity here in Guildford is with students. One in five people in Guildford is a student or at school. It's absolutely extraordinary. And so there's an amazing opportunity. A third of the students at Surrey University are international students. Many of them from countries where you can't preach the gospel. What an opportunity. I don't want us just to sit around and do what we do without us thinking creatively, courageously, innovatively. How can we reach those people? How can we plant things out? You know, it's great we plant the Young Professionals Collective, but we need to keep establishing uh, new communities to reach out. We need to raise up leaders if we're going to reach out to new people. And so we read that Jesus saw the need and his heart was broken. He was filled with compassion. And I just want to tell you some of the really practical ways that we think over the next 12 months we can respond to some of the need that we see around us here in Guildford and further afield. The first thing is this, that um, Liz Slim is uh, going to develop uh, a vision called the Family Centre and she, she's uh, going to do it with Francis and Sue Leach and uh, Katie Miller and he, it's a really fantastic idea and it's been really well thought through because we didn't want to just do something everyone else is doing, we wanted to find out where is the real need and one of the things that Liz discovered with all of her social work expertise is this She's been told that there is a, a, a massive problem with people who are just above the need for social provision. They are just, they're kind of bouncing around in, and about to just slip down below that line. And so uh, local social services have said to us, if you as a community were willing to help in practical ways, 
with some of these families, you could actually stop them slipping down and needing all sorts of state provision. It's practical things like helping out with childminding, like taking someone shopping, like being willing to decorate a room. Simple things. And, and so they're saying, we can give you the contacts if you can find the volunteers who are willing to just do practical things. And I love this because we bang on about justice. And the danger is people are all cosmic and global. And, and actually this could be as simple as, are you willing to give up your Saturday morning to go and paint someone's room or take someone to the supermarket who might not say thank you? And, and, and so we, are, we don't know what, whether there's going to be more demand than we can supply or whether it's going to be them saying, uh, we, we don't know which way it's going to be. But please, please, uh, we want to encourage you and invite you to, 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 to start to think about giving your time. However much, it might be just an hour a month, it might be half a day a week, but giving your time and we want to connect you in with people with real needs. And the great thing is, they've said, you're a church. If you want to pray with people, if you want to invite them on Alpha courses, that's fine. And we can plug them in with things like the marriage course or uh, parenting courses and we can find ways of really making a difference in people's lives. And so uh, one of, that's one of the things we want to launch uh, this year. The family centre. Do talk to Liz and find out more about that. Another thing we want to do this year, and I've touched on this already, is plant some new collectives. Another thing we want to do, of course, is run the Alpha course and the marriage course again. And by the way, we subsidise the marriage course because we don't want anyone not to be able to do it because of money. That costs. Another thing that we want to do this year is... Uh, run the Love Guildford outreach again. And I know Scott and Misty are right now trying to find someone who will really sort of front that up. And that's one of the... It was so good last year. We would love to see that happen again. Another thing that we, we, we think we need to do, probably talking to a number of the parents in particular, is take somebody on, employ someone as a youth worker. And the reason for that is because we're at a stage now where there's both an inward need and an outward need. The inward need is this, that we've got uh, about 20 uh, kids, teenagers now, who need discipling. There's no point in us talking about reaching out to a generation if we uh, don't really love and disciple and care for the ones that we've got. And I know there are a number of you who are brilliantly saying we're willing to give some of our time to help to, to work with the young people. We'd love that, but we want to bring someone in to coordinate that and to help care for uh, young people. Not to do it all, but to help us all to do it better. But equally, uh, and perhaps even more importantly, we have got a heart to say, how can we reach out to the 9,000 secondary school kids in this area? How can we partner with organisations like Matrix and prayer spaces in schools to really more effectively uh, reach out and use resources like Allen House and the Bushy Hill Youth Club. And so we, we want to bring someone in who will, yes, do stuff here with our community, but will also make a difference uh, and help us to engage. And even with the Family Centre, of course, we're going to be coming into contact with lots of young people with all sorts of needs. So we want someone who's got expertise who can help connect all that together and help us to engage meaningfully with those challenges. And then another way that we want to grow this year is not just the family centre, not just running things like Alpha again, not just in youth work, uh, but also with prayer. 
Jesus says in this passage that when you see the needs, ask the Father to send out the workers. Prayer is integral to mission. Jesus doesn't just say, I see the need now, just go, go, go. He says, stop and ask. And, you know, most of you will be aware that we're rooted in a global movement of prayer, mission and justice called 24-7. And, and this is right at the heart of what we're about. We made a kind of strategic decision last year, I'm being totally honest with you about this, not to push forward on prayer particularly hard last year. The simple reason you can't do everything at once or you kill yourselves. But I'm sensing the Holy Spirit saying this year it's time to really pick up that baton and run with it. And I really want to honour those like Franny and Holly and others who have sort of kept the prayer really going. The, the, the Tuesday nights and, you know, the, the, the 24 ones. But I think particularly from this September, I really want us to dig back into prayer. Remember that great love, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. Jesus once said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed, and that's to sit at the feet of Jesus. And so we, we, we really want to uh, pick that button up afresh uh, in the coming year. Just the absolute potted version for the few who may not be aware of it. We started just one prayer room over 10 years ago in Chichester. And the, the vision was um, nothing other than just learn to pray. And God turned up in the prayer room. Amazing things started to happen. Prayers started to get answered. People getting angelic visitations. Uh, people were just insane things were going on. I remember this guy Gareth who'd been in the prayer room. He had little dreadlocks. And he'd only just become a Christian, and he was working at um, a B&Q in, down in Bogner Regis. And I remember he's in the prayer room, and he'd been having a, a time with God, and he, and, and um, uh, no, I've got it wrong, he wasn't yet a Christian, he, he, but he came to the prayer room, and he said, okay, if this is true, then show yourself to me. He goes into B&Q, and this little old lady comes up to him at B&Q, and she says to him, young man... Uh, um, you need to become a Christian, and then just wanders off. And no one to this day knows who he is. So he ends up going, it's true. And he goes home to the friends that he's living with. He's a student. It's a part-time job being cute. And he says, an angel appeared to me. I don't know if it was. It was probably just a funny little old psychotic old lady who likes to go up to random dreadlock strangers in being cute and tell them they need to become Christians. But he said, an angel's appeared to me and told me I've got to become a Christian. So they were like, yeah, right. I don't know if it's true. I, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And... Um, uh, then this girl who was really cynical about it, she was going to at Butlins, there's a Butlins in Bognor Regis, she was going to an end of year party at the Butlins site there that night and um, it was kind of a closed party for just all of the workers and she had had a little part time job there and uh, during the course of the evening this uh, complete stranger comes up to her and just knows all this stuff about her. She has no idea how he knows it all about her. And then he sort of says to her, you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. And then he just disappears. I mean, not like metaphysically. They just, he goes, but then no one can find him in the room. And no one knows who he was, where he came from, how he got out, how he got in. And she said, I think I just saw an angel too. And I don't know. I'd rather believe it wasn't an angel. I'd rather believe that uh, there is some kind of James Bond-style Christian out there who breaks into closed parties 
at um, Butlins and has incredible words of knowledge for people and then disappears without a trace. I'd much rather believe that. It doesn't really matter. But just amazing things started to happen as we prayed. And then the prayer room sort of took on a life of its own and other people got the idea and they started to start them. And they're spreading all over the world. And, you know, we're in over 100 nations now. And what a lot of people don't know is that we're growing faster now than we ever have done. So in 2011, we had more prayer rooms than we'd ever had before. And in the first quarter of 2012, January to March this year, we saw a 40% increase on the number of prayer rooms last year. So we're on course for an absolutely insanely bumper year this year. It's just growing. Amazing. Malaysia's going mad for us at the moment. We wrote a little resource on how to pray for the Malaysians. We shipped it out there. And uh, in six weeks, this is in December through to mid-January, it shifted 50,000 copies in three different languages and three reprints. Just boom, something mad is going on in Malaysia right now. Our prayer spaces and schools initiative is doubling in size. In fact, more than that, every single year has done for the last four years. I could go on and on. It's just amazing what's happening. The prayer virus is just spreading all over the world. And guys, we are right at the heart of it. All around the world, people say, go for boiler room. And it's us. And I'm kind of like, I really think we need to step up to the plate here and get our, get our prayer lives sorted. And I think this year is the year for us to really go for that. I don't feel at all guilty that we've not been pushing hard on that. We've been pushing hard on all sorts of other things last year. But I sense this is the year that we need to really start to push forward. To ask the Father to send out the uh, workers into the harvest fields. And that's one of the reasons we're renovating Allen House. Work started. If you go to Allen House now, you'll see there's builders everywhere. The whole place has been dug up because we want that place to be a great resource for prayer, the prayer room there, for, for training, for uh, youth work, for, for mission, for administrating things like the family centre and so on. Finally, I've said that we need to see the needs, see beneath the surface around us all the needs. That's why we're looking at things like the family centre. I've said that we need to ask the Father. That's why we really want to push forward in prayer. But finally, we need to be the solution. Because the prayer is for the workers. And it is work. We're not slacktivists. We're not people who want to change the world, but can't we be bothered? We can be bothered. We are willing to put in the time. Your workplace, of course, is your primary ministry. Wherever you work, that is your primary context for making a difference. Some of us get the privilege of not doing normal jobs. As my brother always says to me, have you got a job yet? Uh, some of us get the privilege of, uh, of working full-time in, in, in church contests, but most of us don't. Thank God. We all need to be deployed in different ways and different environments. But Jesus says the workers are few. And in case you noticed, hadn't noticed, that's the case. You know, there ain't many of us and we've got a very big vision. And so there's going to be work. And one of the things I love is how everyone, I'm looking around the room, is so involved. Holly working away at designing the brochures. And Georgina sorting out, you know, all of this stuff and making that work and doing the website and all that she does, and all those who sort out teas and, and, and make cakes materialise at the back, and welcome teams, a lot of being welcomed by Anne today, and 
Uh, all those who do hospitality, it's amazing. We've continually got people coming through. The next lot coming through tonight for a bunch of meetings about 24-7 Europe tomorrow. And some of you accommodating them. And the Bennett's running the marriage course. And uh, all of you guys, lots of you doing music, thank you for that. And Francis with prayer. I could go on and I must stop now because otherwise I'll miss about three people out. You'll hate me forever. You're all loved by Jesus. The point is that we are a community of workers because we've got a vision. Remember, and I've talked about it a couple of times, but sitting with Richard Heald, those of you who know Richard and Steph Heald, when they were going off to Dubai and he said, Pete, what's your strategy for Dubai? And I said, you are, Richard. And he was very unimpressed by that. But he got 24-7 going in Dubai, and then his work moved him to Qatar. And he, he, I mean, he's got a short memory. He sat down at my kitchen table and said, Pete, who are your people in Qatar? And I said, you are. And, and, and now he's got 24-7 going in Qatar. He'll cotton on eventually, but the thing with Richard is he's, he's not just saying... My, my, my work is difficult and it just moves me randomly around the place. He's saying, wherever God's put me, that's where I'm going to serve him because I am a worker for God. And so, in a way, the final part of our vision is that we want to be people who, yes, make a difference here in Guildford, but also send people out to make a difference in the nations as harvest hands. And that's why one of the things we want to spend money on this year is we think we haven't been that brilliant in the past at supporting our global mission partners. We've got different people. We've got in Egypt. We've got uh, Phil and Anna in Macedonia. Uh, we've got David and Joy going off uh, to San Francisco. And one of the things that we found out as we've talked to them is that we, we really need to put a bit more into really supporting them if we're serious about sending people out as harvest hands cross-culturally. And so, for example, we, 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 we've realised one of the things we need to do is visit them once a year. So if anyone wants to volunteer uh, to visit, I suspect San Francisco will be quite popular. Uh, I don't know, Skopje, very popular as well. There's some types of people. Egypt sounds nice. But, but, you know, just do the sums even just on those flights and just supporting. And, and we need to make sure that if things go wrong that we can fly them back and help them and care for them, and that has happened historically. We're thrilled that 24-7 is launching um, a training course uh, called the, the, the Vision Course, and it's going to be based in Kansas City, but also here in Guildford, and we're going to have 20 students turning up here from September from all over the world to be part of this community and to train with us for five months. And we're hoping there'll be two five-month courses in the year to go deep in the Bible, to go deep in, in, in just equipping people. And uh, that, we're thrilled about that because we've got a vision to train and to send. And that's going to require hospitality, guys. Uh, we're going to need to accommodate many of these people. So there we have it. We, we, we've got a vision over the next 12 months to do all sorts of exciting things. And there are really just three ways I would love you all to respond. And I'd love you to think about this over the coming week. And then we're going to invite you to uh, give next week. Uh, the first way is to give time. It, and we're probably going to produce like a little form to fit inside these envelopes where you can tick a box. And, and first of all, can you give time to maybe to the family centre? Yes, I'm willing to just do something practically for some of the poorest families in this area. Or we're trying to renovate. We, we, we can't afford to do everything we want to do on Allen House. We're going to do, be doing work on this building too. 
to bless the pub here, uh, ready for action. It needs, need, needs people. Uh, we're going to need hospitality. So are you going to give time? The second thing we're going to ask you to give is your prayers. Uh, and particularly as we gear up after the summer towards doing many more rhythms of 24-7, we'd love to challenge you, not in a heavy way, but as an opportunity to just prioritize some regular times with God in the prayer room. And finally, of course, vision costs money. We're going to ask you to give financially to this vision. We've done, the first time we've ever done this, a proper budget. And we need to raise about an extra £50,000 to do all that I've described. The family centre, better support of our mission partners, renovating Allen House, taking on a youth worker. Someone said to me, that sounds like really good value. And it really is. But we need to raise that. And, and that, that's going to be down to each one of us. At the moment... We have 19 people in this community who give by standing order or give regularly. Just 19 people. And some very generously. Between those 19, they give £2,755.64 a month. And that's, that's what uh, pays for all the different things that uh, we do. But I want to encourage you, if you're not currently giving, especially giving by standing order, I really don't mind how much, but just could I encourage you to start doing that. If you say, yeah, I know that there's this big call to the three great loves, and I know it's got to get practical and get out where I live, and I want to be involved, then can I encourage you, please, to start giving? And it may be that if you're already giving that you want to this week, think and pray. If you're married, talk to your partner about, could we increase? Sammy and I have already done this. We've sat down, we've looked at how much we give each month to the boiler room, and and we've worked out we, we can increase it a bit. We try and increase every year if we possibly can. And we, we, we're going to do that. But can I encourage you to come, at, and not just randomly, but having thoughtfully and prayerfully decided what you're going to give. I want to finish with a prophetic word, if I may. Um, there's someone who regularly prays for us as a community who's amazing at hearing God's voice. I think they really are a, a prophet. And he just contacted me two days ago as I was preparing this message. And he said, I, I believe I've got a word for the Boiler Room community. And this is what he said. These are defining times for the Boiler Room community. A whole fresh wave of church planting and innovation is going to come that will have a significant impact across the world. Your influence as a community will be disproportionate to your size. You will be defined by love, friendship, mission, and a heart for justice. Many pioneers will visit and walk with you, and some will want to stay and settle because they will love what they see, but remind them why they came and why they need to keep moving. As in times of old, the name you give your church will say so much about what you will become. It is a stake in the ground, a constant reminder of what you as a community are about. God is calling us to disproportionate influence, to church planting and innovation, to international impact. He says these are defining times. So we're at a defining moment. A time where God is calling us, not just to be caught up in hype, but to get really practical and say, yes, this is what I can give of my time. This is what I can give financially. 
this is what I can give with my skills in order to see this vision come to pass. In the first prayer room, I wrote a poem on the wall. It started with the question, so this guy comes up to me and says, what's the vision, what's the big idea? And the answer, the vision is Jesus. Dangerously, obsessively, undeniably Jesus. And that poem went all around the world. Because our generation's hungry for vision, and because the vision is Jesus. I've tried to put a few practical bones on what a vision for Jesus might look like. Care for the poor, the family centre, the Alpha course, not because of the programme, but just because we've seen people come to faith through it and want to see many more encounter Jesus, be baptised. Renovating Allen House because we need a base for so many of the things we want to do. A recommitment to prayer, especially in the summer. Hosting, training and discipleship programmes for young people from all over the world who want to make their lives count. Hospitality. Supporting global mission partners. So there we go. I mean, I could add more, but I thought that was enough for 12 months. Is that all right? Okay, very good. So let's just stand up together and pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, we just love you. And we want to have your heart. We want to see the crowds around us who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And we want to make a difference, Lord. We pray you'd give us your compassion. Lord, we pray that you would break our hearts, that you would shape us, that you would make us sensitive, you'd help us to care. And Lord, we want to be those who ask the Father, who pray and intercede. We pray, Lord, that you would give us the gift of prayer afresh as a community. And Lord God, we thank you for that flame of prayer that's been burning, but we ask that you pour a bit of paraffin around this year. And Lord God, we want to pray for the family centre. We ask, Lord, that there be many families that we'd be able to love with your love and care for practically, so that eventually they say, well, why do you do this? And we can tell them about how you love us. We pray, Lord, for families to be added to us. We pray, Lord, for young people, Lord. Lord, that you'd help us to care for the young people that you've blessed us with, but also to reach out to many who are harassed and helpless, who are asking what life's all about. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege of the academy coming here, the vision course, these 20 students. Help us to host them well. Help us to love them. Help us, Lord, to send them out to change the world. And Lord God, I pray now for each one of us that you'd speak to us through this coming week about what you want us to give, of our time, of our skills, of our prayers and of our money. In Jesus' name.